So if I was starting today as a new solo, I would do entrepreneurial aspect. Change the way they're practicing. Leader, analyze. said they've done it earlier. help young lawyers. Starting a small firm. What it means to be fulfilled. Make it easy to work with your clients. New approach, new tools, new mindset, new solo. And it's making that leap, making that leap. Welcome to another episode of New Solo on Legal Talk Network. We are going to cover a very sexy topic today, and I'm pretty excited about it. We're going to talk HIPAA compliance. (laughs) My guest today is Joshua Lennon from Clio. Joshua, I recall that your title was once lawyer in residence, but I believe you have added a couple of other important elements to that title of yours. Yes. Yeah. I'm actually Clio's registered data protection officer. With the launch of data privacy as kind of a global concern, Mm -hmm. the European Union requires that an employee at organizations that handle European resident data be registered as a data protection officer with your jurisdiction in question. For us in Europe, that's Ireland. But the rules and concepts of data privacy and data subject protection actually extend globally. And so if you look at Clio's privacy policy, uh, we deal with customers from all around the world, with their Mm -hmm. clients from all around the world. And so we've extended my role as registered data protection officer to cover Clio's privacy compliance at a global scale. And that includes in the United States, for things like the California Consumer Protection mm-hmm. Act, sure. uh, the Data Privacy Act of Virginia, and even certain federal types of data privacy that include HIPAA, the Health and Information Portable Protection Act. I'm doing that from memory, so hopefully I got that one right. Uh, as well as other things like uh, COPPA and children when it comes mm-hmm. to their data and making sure that internally, We are keeping our eye on how sensitive the data is with us, and we're taking every best step to protect it along the way. This is a big deal, and these are very important things that we need to sort of back up and discuss. But before Mm -hmm. that, I do want you to tell us a little bit about yourself, other than having these important roles at Clio before we launch into the technical stuff. You were a lawyer, you started working for Clio, and just give us a little bit of your background. Yeah, absolutely. So yes, I am a lawyer. I'm licensed in New York. I've been practicing for over a decade now. Mm. I still think of myself as a baby lawyer. There's still (laughs) new things to learn every day, but I guess I'm starting to get old hat. I graduated right before the Great Recession in 2008. And uh, as us non-baby lawyers know, that was the worst time to go out and find a law job. And so I actually walked away from one with Missouri Attorney General to follow my significant other up to Canada, where I started doing immigration law and running my own little immigration boutique. And I was using this new piece of software called Clio Mm -hmm. to help me run my firm because there was so much I just didn't know about running a firm and how to practice. And oddly enough, those conversations that I was having with Clio over their support line, over social media, even in person at conferences, led to us both realizing that Clio could benefit from having an in-house lawyer who was Mm -hmm. focused not, not on 
you know, do we have the right rental agreement for our offices? Right. On are we building our product and our software in such a way that it's useful to lawyers and that we understand their needs right from the get-go as we build. And so I actually participate in in virtually every team at Clio in one way or another helping out. Well, that sounds really exciting. You're always on your toes and learning new stuff. And I know how busy you are, which is why I very much appreciate your time here. When I saw that Clio had announced a level of HIPAA compliance that they were offering. I thought this would be a really great conversation just in general. So I'm going to ask you some general questions about HIPAA to educate the attorneys who might not be using Clio and maybe they're using something like Dropbox. I know with Dropbox, you can get a BAA, which I'll ask you to define and and just general information. So you started out by telling us that you had become the data privacy expert for Clio, which mm-hmm. I love. Did you get a CIP? P then? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm uh, I'm SIP certified in the U.S. and I'm also a SIP M, which is a privacy program manager. Yeah, you are such a nerd. I mean, I, like I really keep out on this stuff. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I have a CIPT from the IAPP. So, oh, nice. I've got the technical side. You've got yeah. the legal and the administrative side, but mm-hmm. probably you could pass the technical part too. And sorry, guys, Joshua and I just totally nerded out on our International Association of Privacy Professional Certifications that we have. Sorry, just no. ignore that. <laughs> so you mentioned the Data Protection Acts of Europe. Mm-hmm. And you know a lot of our listeners are going to go, we don't care. That's pretty cool, but okay. But HIPAA is a standard in the United States. US specific, yeah. Okay, so tell us specifically about HIPAA at this point. And I will say this too, you you know, you had mentioned California, you mentioned Virginia, and I'm sure all of our listeners know there is no federal governing laws for privacy protection at this point in the United States. Sometimes it comes up every once in a while, we can't seem to get there. So you've got these forward thinking states that create them like California and Virginia, but HIPAA Mm -hmm. is a federal- A federal law, uh, yeah. It's the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. I looked it up because I always get it wrong. That's a Uh, tough one. (laughs) Yeah. The one thing that everybody will tell you about HIPAA is we always misspell the acronym. So everybody wants to spell it H-I-P-P-A and it's H-I-P-A-A. And so if the first thing about being a HIPAA lawyer is recognizing just how many times you're going to misspell it throughout (laughs) the day. This is no. where text expander would come in really handy. Exactly. <laughs> or, or, maybe, or your spell check. Yeah. Yeah. Or to it, like rewrite it for you every time. That's what I ended up doing is my computer just recognizes when I spell HIPAA wrong and replaces it for me. So text uh, technology tip number one, <laughs> yeah. text replacement. Uh, so it came about actually in the 90s and has been amended several times. But the idea behind it in terms of data is that the health records really do belong to the patient. And that if you are what's called a covered entity, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. And this is an important term. So we're going to define glossary of terms. This is an important term. Yeah. Uh, If you are a covered entity under HIPAA, you have extra responsibilities when it comes to electronically stored patient health information than if you're not a covered entity. And so covered entities, for the most part, include hospitals, doctors, insurance companies, and what are called healthcare clearinghouses. And these are just like record processors that focus specifically on health records. Under HIPAA, you have three duties involved if you're this covered entity. 
You have a responsibility to protect the data from an administrative, technical, and physical perspective with attendant duties for each of those. Who can access the information? How can they access it? Is it behind a locked door? Is it encrypted? Is it something that we log information about access so that we can determine if we're complying with the necessary privacy and security rules that have been put out as governed by HIPAA by the Department of Health and Human Services? Now, interestingly, with the the High Tech Act amendments, they created what's called the business associate, so quote unquote, and it extended HIPAA responsibilities to any vendor that is servicing a covered entity and Mm. handling those same patient health records on behalf of that covered entity. And this is where we pull in our audience. If you're a law firm for a health insurance company, like say you're an insurance defense firm, or you are counsel for maybe doctors who are buying and selling Mm -hmm. uh, practices, or you represent the local uh, nursing home. All of these may be covered entities under HIPAA. And if the records that they're holding become a part of the services that you're providing or the dispute that they're helping, you're helping with, you are required under HIPAA to be a business associate. And the covered entity is required to kind of contractually require you to live up to HIPAA's privacy and security rules. So they, your client gets to tell you how to handle their data from a security perspective. So let me back up a couple quick glossary of terms yeah. if we could go back. Mm-hmm. When you said high tech, you didn't mean, oh, it's the latest and greatest in high tech. It is literally an act, yes. H-I-T-E-C-H. Mm-hmm. So you can go Google that, attorneys, but that is, he wasn't just saying, oh, let's get the latest in technology for protecting data. Yeah. No, it's, <laughs> it's, an, it's another act. Huh. Um, you said BA, which stands for- Business Associate. Okay. And then PHI, we might as well get that out of the way while we're That's protected health information. And sometimes in, you'll also see other acronyms that talk about like PII, personally Mm -hmm. identifiable information. That's not a HIPAA term, but it often comes up in this context as well. Right. PII, typically we talk about when we're discussing data breaches and having to report a breach, like what triggers a breach, which by the way- All 50 states have a breach trigger notification that can be triggered by the unauthorized access of PII. So, nerd city again. (laughs) Okay, so I think we kind of have an understanding of what type of entities need to work harder on being HIPAA compliant. And I wasn't clear, so help us understand. And I know we've got a lot of very experienced attorneys that this isn't going to be interesting for, but mm-hmm. you know, uh, I also have a lot of newer attorneys who are just trying to figure out, kind of like you did when you started your immigration boutique, how to yeah. practice. How do I figure out if my law firm needs to be a, um, a BAA, have, has to have a business associate agreement for working under HIPAA compliance? You got it. So this business associate agreement is a contract that usually starts with the covered entity, like the hospital or the nursing home or the healthcare clearinghouse. And then they make that agreement with their vendor, the law firm. And how it comes up in the context of uh, a company like Clio is if that law firm wants to store PHI in Clio Mm -hmm. as a vendor to a business associate law firm, right? 
they can now require Clio to sign that business associates agreement with the law firm. Kind of becomes turtles all the way down, if you know that <laughs> phrase, right? Uh, so the hospital has HIPAA requirements. They tell the law firm, hey, live up to our HIPAA requirements. Mm-hmm. And the law firm tells Clio, hey, live up to my client's HIPAA requirements. And it goes all the way down that way. But how do you know if you're the law firm that needs to be a business associate? Um, And it really comes down to, are you handling PHI on behalf of your client? Or are you handling PHI on behalf of somebody who has given that information to your client? Okay. Like the, this is back to the covered entity. Yeah. Yeah. So is okay. my client the patient and these are their records? Technically, it's not under HIPAA because a patient's records belong to themselves. But is my client holding somebody else's patient's records? Mm-hmm. HIPAA is probably a concern. And so we get a lot of law firms like legal departments for hospitals, lawyers who are representing um, certain types of healthcare startups can possibly fall under this. Um, hospital and insurance defense firms all require a business associates agreement with a service like Clio in order to store that information in Clio, that EPHI. Interestingly, okay. on the flip mm-hmm. side, there are a bunch of personal injury lawyers who think they need a HIPAA compliant service? And the answer is no, you probably don't. If you're representing the patient, they can just always go and get their records, but you'll still encounter HIPAA as a part of your practice because you're going to be basically subpoenaing those records from a lot of covered entities. And so they may have their own HIPAA concerns and they'll kind of push those on you, but you don't necessarily need your practice management provider to be HIPAA compliant. It's a weird flip side. That is. So I guess in a strange way, could it be as easy as, and maybe I shouldn't even make it sound this easy, but if you need to be HIPAA compliant, you're going to know about it because some entity is going to say, hey, we need you to be HIPAA compliant. Yeah. Your client will tell you that's what's going to happen. And if your client misspells HIPAA, (laughs) they probably, you probably don't need to be HIPAA compliant. No. (laughs) Well, that's great. Well, I'm glad we got the basics out of the way. Let's take a quick break and listen to some messages from some sponsors. And listeners, the voice in one of those sponsor reads might sound very familiar, might sound a lot like today's guest. Did you know law firms with growing revenue are twice as likely to use financial reporting tools to track their performance? I'm Joshua Lennon, lawyer in residence at Clio, and this is just one finding from our recent Legal Trends Report. Understanding your firm's financial performance helps you make better choices. But unfortunately, 60% of legal professionals are not confident about their knowledge of their firm's revenue. If you can relate, consider adopting reporting tools to track utilization, realization, and collection rates, the three leading metrics to track your firm's revenue. Don't worry. If math isn't your thing, just knowing your firm's numbers is half the battle. For more information on what firms with growing revenue are doing differently, download Clio's Legal Trends Report for free at clio.com forward slash trends. That's Clio spelled C-L-I-O dot com forward slash trends. Okay, I'm back with Joshua Lennon, 
we're trying to sort of understand who does and doesn't need to be HIPAA compliant. And I think we got that pretty cleared. Uh, do you think we covered that, Josh? I think a lot of it, yeah. Okay, I think we're good with that. So now I wanna ask you about just general, aside from Clio, um, what are the considerations a lawyer and a law firm should have in meeting HIPAA requirements when they're sourcing and looking for technology, adding to their software stack and their tech stack? We know Clio is HIPAA compliant. I don't know that there are a lot of legal technology companies that have really addressed this quite so head on. So I think it's important that listeners ask if this is something that you need. And then tell us a little bit, Josh, just about things like Dropbox and maybe Box, which I know they have add-ons for uh, BAAs. Yeah, absolutely. So you're right. Uh, legal technology companies haven't really addressed this, mm. I think, comprehensively. And the issue around that is it's actually fairly easy to get the technology right for HIPAA. Mm -hmm. uh, you go, you get AWS or Microsoft Azure as your backend. Uh, they'll sign a BAA with you, and then you can come. Then you can just kind of rely on that for the technology portion. But mm -hmm. HIPAA requires more than that, right? It requires both the administrative and the physical protection of data at the same time. And really being able to to hit all three of those is where things get tough. So when you look at just storing the records, a service like Dropbox or Box, Amazon Web Services, like we talked about, even your Office 365 accounts, you can get uh, a business associates agreement from those providers, and it will cover, for the most part, the technology that you need. It's then when you turn to something like service and support from those companies where it gets a little more tricky. Um, one thing we had to figure out when starting to offer these business associates agreements at Clio was how do we handle screen sharing on a support call? Mm. Oh. Mm -hmm. So our customers, they call in, yeah. uh, they describe a problem. Sometimes the best way for the support person to get a handle on it is to ask permission to do screen sharing. And so we had to document and make accessible to all of our customer support team, um, is this a HIPAA customer? Because if they are, we wanna make sure that we're not screen sharing because we don't wanna see that health information right. outside of the normal Clio technology environment. And that's an yep. administrative aspect of HIPAA that turned out to be tricky. It's why we didn't offer them for a long time. Not mm. because the security and the technology wasn't there, but we had to, shape the rest of the organization around it and make sure everybody knew what they were doing and could see and access the right notices mm -hmm. such that we we made sure that no protected health information ends up in Clio the organization rather than Clio the software. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like it could have been a little bit of a pain in the butt for you though, Joshua. But <laughs> it took a couple months. It, yeah, y'all yeah, figured it out. Yeah. I think there's an important thing I want to ask you that I probably should ask you in the first segment, but I'm going to ask you now. Okay. There's no official certification for HIPAA. You sort of self-certify. So can you explain how Clio has done that? Absolutely. So you're right. There is no central authority saying- Again, back to these no federal rules or laws. They're just guidelines. Yeah. Oh, shucks, guys. Y'all figure it out. They'll tell you when you get it wrong. 
but no yeah. one will tell you when you're doing it right. Right. There are third-party services. You could always find somebody who's willing to give you like an audit, like Deloitte. Mm -hmm. uh, what we sure. turned to was a tool called Standard Fusion. It listed over 600 different requirements that oh needed God. to be checked against Clio's uh, data operations, needed to be checked against our third-party vendors, needed to be checked against our internal training and procedures. And we went through each of those in turn, making sure that we lived up to the defined definitions. And those definitions came about both from the acts themselves, as well as different judgments and settlements that have come out of the Department of Health and Human Services. Uh, and you better believe I was reading all the past judgments <laughs> of law firms that have been implicated oh, for HIPAA violations. Mm -hmm. And even now that we've we've passed that 670, we're still constantly reviewing it. There was a really interesting article last week on um, hospitals that use websites to allow patients to schedule appointments mm -hmm. and how certain types mm -hmm. of marketing software that might be a part of their website might be leaking HIPAA information. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, and as soon as I read that, I turned to our team who handle different things like scheduling, right? Because you can schedule mm -hmm. appointments with lawyers. And I'm like, do we have any of this running? Right. And they're like, no, we're, we're good. You're on the bat phone right away. I was. Like, oh, it was a I just worked really hard to get 670 check marks, guys. How are we on this one? Well, there was a team that did that. <laughs> uh, I really want to give them full credit. But, That's awesome. Yes. But, okay, yeah, I, I did. I was a bit of a pain last Friday afternoon because I read this article and I was like, oh, I better make sure <sighs> we are not anywhere close to this. And we're not. Uh, and it shows cool. how the lack of guidelines and certifications means that it's always going to be a moving target and you've got to be constantly yeah. checking and updating. You can't just say, yep, 670, we're done. Oh. <laughs> see, you in ten, send you, see you in 10 years when we need to check in again. Exactly. You know, I'm looking at your um, support page about Clio's HIPAA certification mm -hmm. and it just seems like a lot of these things are very logical in what you would look for in a software service that's helping you protect your client data. You want to make sure there's that the data is encrypted mm -hmm. at rest, meaning inside of Clio servers. And when it's being, when it's in transit, moving from Clio servers to our local computers, mm -hmm. obviously you guys have restricted physical access to production servers, like not any customer support newbie can walk into Clio's server farm and access data. I mean, oh, a no. lot of these things just make sense. So, well, congratulations. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Okay. I know you're going to get an, a lawyer that says, okay, I'm going to look at their um, BAA and I'm going to make some changes to it, send it back over to Joshua Lennon and ask him if these this red line, go ahead and accept this red line, Cleo. <laughs> so what do you, what do you, what's your answer to that? Uh, unfortunately, we, we can't do that. <laughs> okay. No. Uh, and the reason is we're, we're building to, to really strict procedures here. Yeah. Right. And we don't want to create any question or variability around that especially organization-wide, right? Um, if you create a red line for one customer, uh, yeah. there's no way that you can tell everybody in the company, okay, when Ariana calls in, you can see her protected health information because she's, she's redlined that provision. No, that makes total sense. And by the way, Dropbox is the same. I've mm -hmm. had a lawyer who wanted me to find out if they could modify the Dropbox agreement. And I was like, you're not going to pay me enough money to get a yes out of Dropbox for you. So I think that's another standard expectation that we should have when dealing with these um, associate agreements for HIPAA. I just think that's a reality. 
Anything else before we take a quick break, Joshua, that is sort of a frequently asked question that you get about HIPAA compliance from attorneys? Yeah, uh, I think the biggest thing is they need a vendor that's willing to support them if something goes wrong. Mm, mm -hmm, And so mm -hmm. what we've done as a part of our business associates agreement is really just agree to some future provisions that we know the Department of Health and Human Service requires if in the unfortunate event of a data breach ever happens, um, the attorneys know that we have their back. And they've got the contract to prove that we've committed to these responsibilities. That's something that is very important, that gives comfort, not just to the law firm that we're helping, but to their client mm-hmm. who's, who's entrusting this PHI with them. So definitely make sure that you've got the responsive notifications, right? If anything goes wrong, how do they get a hold of me? When do they get a hold of me? But also... If something goes wrong, are they committed to being a partner in the investigation? And what does Mm. that mean? Like, what will they provide? Who really has like access to the information and how responsive will they be to this further investigation? Not just notify me that something seems weird. So it's that second part that I think is very important to a law firm, not just from a good service perspective, but also will really help with uh, pulling their malpractice insurance provider in and making Mm -hmm. sure everybody knows their clear responsibilities and that the law firm is protected in the event of a disaster. Well, I think that's a great tip, especially for our non-CLIO listeners. I just think, and that's what I'm trying to do too here with this conversation is give them, anyone who's not necessarily a CLIO user, some advice on what to consider when you are using other services that might Um, have some HIPAA compliance baked in. And I think that's an excellent tip. Well, let's take a quick break. I'm going to come back and ask you a couple of very specific questions about Clio and the subscription plan and things like that. But we'll just cover that in a minute. And then I'm going to give you one more chance to think of any other frequently asked questions that we want to make sure and cover. We'll be right back. Yes, yes. You have a website, but do you love it? Does it grow your practice? It should look good. It should work for you. And it should be built by people who care. Practice Made Perfect loves making websites for solos, just starting out or market leaders, and their clients love their websites. PMP's average client has been with them for over six years. PMP is perfect for your website. Practice Made Perfect. Visit pmpmg.com forward slash solo. Law Clerk's nationwide network of talented freelance lawyers is trusted by thousands of law firms. Solo attorneys and firms can get help with project-based and also ongoing work via subscription. Sign up is free and there are no monthly fees. You only pay when you delegate work. Plus, Law Clerk has a new app for your mobile devices to help you manage the work you've delegated while you're on the go. Be sure to use referral code NEWSOLO when you sign up at lawclerk.legal. Starting your solo practice is exciting, rewarding, and demanding. Alps Insurance understands the unique challenges of startup solo firms. 65% of Alps legal malpractice insurance policyholders are solos after all. That's why Alps created First Flight, a program supporting new solos by providing affordable premium pricing for the first three years of practice. Visit alpsinsurance.com forward slash insurance forward slash first flight to learn more. Or just Google Alps First Flight. You'll find them. First flight program subject to eligibility requirements. 
All right, I'm back for my unfortunate last segment with Joshua Lennon. I always enjoy talking to you, Josh. You're such a smart guy and articulate everything so well. So thank you. I wanted to ask you now specifically a couple things about Clio because it's an add-on. So you don't just sign up for Clio and then you get the HIPAA compliance as part of it. It's something you have to request after finding out that you must meet some standards based on a, a client of yours saying, hey, we have these HIPAA requirements. So it's an add-on. And first question is going to be very obvious. I'm a multidisciplinary law firm. Only three of us do work that requires HIPAA compliance and 10 of us do not? Do all of us have to have the add-on? Yes, we recommend that every user um, be a part of the add-on because technically they may have access to the records. And so as such, you want to protect your law firm by making sure that if you have, say, your legal secretary call in with a support issue, uh, using the screen sharing example, um, that we use the same data protection approach with that secretary as we would with a managing partner. And so that's why we need to have every user in your account flagged as HIPAA. And that's what the add-on does. Okay, next question. Because HIPAA is a United States law, Mm -hmm. then if I am one of your Ireland customers listening to this podcast from the United States, because it's one of the best, do I need HIPAA compliance? One, I have no doubt that this is a very popular podcast in Ireland. Uh, Two, uh, the answer to any legal question is it depends. So uh, say you're with a firm that operates both in the U.S. and in Ireland and handles U.S. health records on behalf of a covered entity, you might need the HIPAA add-on. But if you're just an Irish law firm, handling, say, property conveyance law in Ireland. You absolutely do not need the HIPAA add-on. Right. Don't worry about it. Oh. Right. So U.S. only. And how much does it cost? If you're using the annual subscription, it's $15 per user per month. If you're on month-to-month, it's it's $20 per user. Uh, and that add-on extends the contractual obligations of HIPAA beyond the technology because everybody's getting the same technology protection regardless of the BAA, but it extends the additional contractual obligations on Clio uh, throughout our whole organization. So you've got 800 developers and support agents, accountants, everyone, all living up to these added obligations on your behalf. And that's why we have the add-on. That's really interesting. It almost sounds like the burden is really put on Clio. I'm not going to lie. There is a burden. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, I mean, the burden of protecting, protecting, well, a user's data without HIPAA is on Clio. But on top of that, now you've got this major pressure of federal law that is Clio taking it on. So I would say, as I do to many other attorneys, that a lot of times we as solos and smalls, we the collective, because remember, I'm not a lawyer, we couldn't possibly afford to do this ourselves. So sometimes you just have to pay a little extra to get that protection for you. The economies of scale really work in a solo and small lawyer's favor when you're using cloud services. So, uh, you know, if it's Dropbox, if it's Box, if it's Microsoft OneDrive, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You're getting more dollar per dollar than a big law lawyer is because they're all paying the same amount. Right. Mm -hmm. So that made me think of something real quick and it's sort of a divvy up of information. Mm -hmm. Let's say I keep all of my documents in OneDrive and a lot of my work in progress, my dates, or excuse me, my details, my 
drafts, my work in progress, videos, health records. Mm. I don't keep inside Clio. But I keep basic client information that does not contain any PII or any PHI. Yeah, it would definitely contain PII. Okay. So you have, right. Well, let's, unless they are, all of my clients are corporations. Mm. If I don't have any humans, then I might not have any PII. But anyway, okay. <laughs> hard to not have PII. Yeah. It's really hard. I the mean, the definition email gets broader and broader with each law. Right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. But mm. let's say I was very good at siloing. Mm-hmm health records and health information over in OneDrive, and I'm using Clio for the very basic things, then would I need HIPAA? The answer is probably not. Okay. Um, But it depends. (laughs) It always depends. There is kind of a a tiny exemption called the incidental disclosure rule for HIPAA, which uh, talks about how there sometimes can be incidental disclosures of patient health information uh, in a way that's just kind of minor, but necessary. So mm-hmm. um, the chart that the hospital leaves at the end of your bed, right? Technically, that's a disclosure of patient health information. Mm. But the only people who can really see it are people who go to the hospital. It's not being broadcast over the internet, for example. It's not your entire record. It might be, you know, when did the nurse last come in and check on you? Or mm-hmm. uh, was your medication delivered at the right time? That kind of thing. And that's an example of a, an incidental disclosure. But you better believe that that hospital gathers all of those patient records and puts them under lock and key when they mm-hmm. have the whole file. And that's kind of the same approach if you want to use like Microsoft OneDrive or Dropbox and a BAA with them mm-hmm. and then have your billing information for your client, right? Your your nursing home, your doctor, your hospital, your insurance company, and maybe some tiny bits of information, right? Like we're dealing with the opposing party, which is this patient. And they're arguing malpractice based on this particular type of operation. You don't have all the details, including the, the health records, but you do have some in- incidental mm. disclosures in Clio. And law firms have done that for close to a decade and have been just fine. So okay. it's really, if you want to centralize it, if you want the contractual and well thought out support that Clio is providing as a part of our business associates agreement add-on, it's there for the taking. Great. I think that's a very good answer and fair. Joshua, I've taken up a lot of your time talking all this great information. I appreciate it very much. I do want to though, make sure and give you an opportunity to plug CleoCon in case you happen to be listening to this Ooh. before October, 2022. So CleoCon is the Clio Cloud Conference. It's arguably, I think the best legal technology conference in the world. I'm a little biased because I've been to everyone. <laughs> But um, we're actually coming out of the pandemic quarantining of conferences, and we're hosting it live this year in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm very excited. It's going to be the first conference that I've gone to in forever. Oh, for a lot of us. Yeah, we're going to have three days of excellent information. If you are a Clio customer or want to be a Clio customer, there'll be some really um, both basic and in-depth training on all the different features in Clio and how to maximize your investment in the software. But we'll also have business and technology tracks, keynote speakers from outside of the legal industry that are going to be sharing wisdom that's worked for you. Um, And some phenomenal entertainment, including uh, some of the best music that you'll be able to find. If you're not able to attend in person, we will have a virtual offering as well. 
actually some of the sessions that I'm presenting in will be both live and virtual available for everyone. So please swing by um, cleocloudconference.com to just see if it's the right fit for you. We've got our schedule and our keynote speakers available and we'd love to have you come join us. I will add on that even if you're not a Clio user, it's a great legal technology conference. Not even because of all the great sessions and seminars and entertainment, but the networking opportunities are really amazing. I will be there. Joshua will be there. So we can all get together in person and we can nerd out on nerdy things that we love. So yeah, hope to see you all there. Josh, thank you so much. If people want to get a hold of you or connect with you on social media, can you tell them where to do that? Absolutely. Uh, I'm most active on Twitter where my handle is at Joshua Lennon, L-E-N-O-N. But you can also find me on LinkedIn. And I'm always an email away at Joshua at Clio.com. And I will say this, you really are very responsive to emails from randos out there. (laughs) Not me necessarily. We've known each other a long time, but I really do throw an email at you every once in a while. I copy a client or someone who has a question that I know you would be the best person to answer in Clio and you're always very responsive. So thank you for sharing your email with us and all this great knowledge and information. I totally appreciate it. No, it's always great to speak with you. I'm really looking forward to seeing you in October. It's been too long. And so let's get together and just catch up. Love it. I will. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of New Solo on the Legal Talk Network. We will see you next month. And don't forget, you can always send me an email with any ideas for future shows at newsolo at legaltalknetwork.com. And you can find me on all those social media channels as well. See you next time, everyone. I've been running from nine to five. Been biting my tongue for all this time. Won't let. Anyone cut me short I was thinking this was the way to go And you put up your puppet show I say cheers to life Just give me alone I'm running the show The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.